Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I don't know what to, I'm, I'm gonna, not going to start. I was going to ask you, Phil, for a start. But then, no, I'm going to ask you, Peter. Um, who are you and why are you on this podcast? Very good question. Um, I think the reason I'm on is, is because I'm a sort of sad rugby league obsessive that has travelled around the world sort of uh, a long way away from home. And, uh, and now I've finally found a way of doing something with rugby league again, which is work, working with the rugby league commercial board. Um, and in particular, making it a bit easier for people like me to be able to watch rugby league when they don't live in the UK. Which I guess I means you must be somehow involved in Super League Plus. That's a very good uh, conclusion. Yeah. So we, we've been talking about what happens with the streaming business and how rugby league can be A, less reliant on Sky and, and B, talk to fans wherever they are. Um, and that was one of the sort of guiding philosophies behind creating Super League Plus. And while, you know, I think people have got the concept that there's a huge amount of product available in the UK, which is also on Sky. You know, one of the things that for me is an absolute delight is suddenly as a fan outside the country, we can see every game live, um, which was just impossible before. Um, and even if you lived in an area that had a TV deal, they would show like one game and it'd be erratic and they'd put it on in the middle of the night. Um, but that idea that you can watch, you know, your team every week, I think is a, is a real step forward for rugby league. And, you know, hopefully something that does two things, it creates an extra revenue line for the clubs. Um, but it also means that people around the world care more about it. And therefore they feel sort of attached to something that often they grew up with and they went away from. Um and I think it's really important that you make it available and, and let people make that choice. If we take it back one step, because we can come to the, the detail of um, what, we, what we're getting now and, and the opportunities that uh, that gives the sport as a whole on a global basis. Um, looking back at your sort of career in broadcasting, you've been on both sides of the fence. You've been commissioning products and designing rights details for sports and worked for sports trying to get rights deals so how do you think rugby league is perceived at the moment and and how did you go about negotiating with sky knowing that in terms of monetary value it was probably going to go down um i think first of all the negotiations with sky were really handled by rodri at the league and by img so you know i don't want to take credit for that um 
But I think one of the things that is really clear about the Sky relationship is that you look after renewal after renewal and the number is going down. Um, so one of the key challenges for rugby league is to say, OK, how can we reverse that trend? And to do that, I think you need two things. One is data that rugby league is actually a bigger sport than Sky think it is. Um, and secondly, you need to be talking to other people um, as a way of monetizing the game and getting the pictures out there. Um, and the two are interrelated, right? Because the more you stream content, the more information you have about your audience. And therefore, you have data that allows you to make a better argument to broadcasters or to other OTT providers. Um, and I think, you know, that that all comes together. And, and that's really sort of um, when, when you mentioned my background, um, Phil, that that's sort of what I've learned from other things, right, is, OK, how do you change people's mind about the value of a sport? And, and the answer is you have to provide them with raw data that proves that the sport is worth more than they think they are. Where is rugby league in the the world of, of sport, though? How is it perceived? How does it to broadcasters? How does it perceive compared to other sports? I think, you know, let's look at it two ways, right? You look at it, what it, what it is in the UK and what it is internationally. Um, and, you know, if you look at something like the Premier League, the Premier League was clearly designed as a UK product. It was designed for Carling as a sponsor and Sky as a broadcaster. And then the international stuff came later because it was such a good product, it started selling better around the world. Um, and I think Rugby League in the UK, you know, I was lucky to be part of, Sky when Rugby League first got broadcast or BSB and then Sky when it first got broadcast. Um, and it did a great job for Sky. It provided them with some fantastic content, but also um, became a reason to subscribe for so many people for whom Rugby League is the first sport and not just another sport. Um, having said that, we all know the problems that Rugby League has in terms of perception by a London-based media. Um, and the visibility of the sport is always going to be a challenge. Um, so really important to, again, provide data points that says the sport is valuable, as opposed to just go and say, I love it. Why aren't you showing it? Um, and, and I think, you know, that's the primary problem in, in the UK. You know, around the world, really difficult to persuade broadcasters to show the game. Um, and particularly in a world where pay TV is shrinking in many markets, that means budgets are shrinking and particularly budgets for secondary product. So important, again, but for slightly different reasons, to find a way to get the sport available um, and trying to find an argument that says, look, this works. There is an audience in your territory. You know, you should be considering what you can do with this as a sport. I mean, this is the $64,000 question for everyone, but where where do we see sport being broadcast in the future? Is, is the future just linear TV? Is it just streaming? Is it a mixture of both? Is it new platforms that we don't even know exist yet? Um, if I really knew the answer to that, I'd be off and putting my money down somewhere. But I think the reality is, is definitely a mix. Um, and, you know, one of the beauties of, of linear TV is it hits audiences that are traditional. It's easy. Um, you know, I love the fact that we've got games coming on uh, free-to-air TV in the UK again for another season. Um, and that's really important for the league. But if you look at the way that people consume content now, linear TV often doesn't solve those needs because 
you know, if, if you're watching content, you're often watching with a second or third screen as well. You know, you're looking at other scores, you're chatting to friends, you're part of a group experience. And that for me is the opportunity of a streaming service is it can develop into something that really keeps you engaged because, you know, you don't want people who just come in, look at it very pretty, walk away again. You want people who care. And the real challenge of a league or a sport or an organization is to say, how do I make my audience care more? Because then they'll stick with me for longer. So if you look at the options of streaming, the idea that you can build in optional stats so you as a viewer can decide where you go, you can build in chat with people that you want to talk about the game with, you know, that for me means that streaming can make a better product for the sport. Um, and it's great as a result to see us making those first steps to say, okay, what can we do? Where's the sport going to go? How can you keep people's attention span? Um, and 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 that to me is sort of looking to the future. And, you know, I'm delighted that Rugby League Commercial and IMG have sort of managed to make those first steps where you think, okay, consumption of the sport is changing. How can we get ahead of the game? There's the, the deal as well, which was announced a few weeks ago about the the access to to clips for for clubs for players for uh, media on social media to get those clips out quicker how important is that because i mean well i can say from the perspective of working briefly at a club and not having access to the de- uh, to those videos i'll be going through youtube and cutting up bits of other people's footage which yeah. obviously is not not ideal at all but having that access for for everyone in the sport to be able to do that must be a a, a big boost going forward yeah, I mean, I, I think it's huge and it, it's something that me and, and Anna Chanduvi, who's on the commercial board as well, are sort of slightly obsessed with because we've both come from that sort of social media background where we've seen the value of clips. Um, and, you know, if you look at what the BBC have done with the cricket, for example, that's been a really good example of, you know, how do you bring people into the story and showing them short form versions of the content or showing them authentic content from the players and characters of the game is clearly a really important way of making that funnel of fans bigger and getting people interested in the storylines and then hopefully wanting more immersion as they go through. I'd say the second thing that's important, um, and we've still got a long way to go on that, is also, you know, you look at the influencers, you look at, at, at people like 4020 as, as digital publishers, you look at athletes, how do you get it into their hands? Because they're the best ambassadors for the sport, because they care so much about it. Um, and if you look at sports that are growing around the world, um, so much of it is about using all those different ways of publishing content and then gathering an audience behind it. One of the things that the NBA has done remarkably well is that they've looked at all that pirated content out there. And rather than doing what most leagues do, which is just try and shut it down and play whack-a-mole with every illegal feed, they've looked at the data on that and said, okay, who's doing it well? You know, which of these influencers getting a good audience for NBA content? And then they've reached out them. Um, And I'd say the same about pirated feeds. You know, one of the things about a fan that watches a pirated feed is that they care about the sport, you know, because they're making an effort to get there. So how do you talk to them? How do you bring them into the family? Because if you can get data on all your potential fan base and then you can retarget them with materials, that's how you really grow the base of the sport and you grow the commercial base of the sport. 
obviously the the big part of the television deal, which I'm sure you've spoken about, is the ability to have every game screen now and the and the opportunities that that brings. I think it's just natural for a fan, right? you know, that what you want to watch is your game, your team every game. You know that old way where we were delighted that one match would be broadcast and it might be your team once every five or six weeks. I mean, that's just, it doesn't fit with, with the way people enjoy sport. You know, you, you follow your team, you want to swallow everything you can about your team, whether it be on social media during the week, you know, you're 24 seven, you're a fan. Um, So the idea that you can't watch something that actually was always being filmed because the clubs would always film it anyway, you know, is, is a bit daft, right? So, you know, now the idea that you can watch every game of your team means that you you build your life around your team a bit more, which has got to be good for the game. Um, and again, you know, we, we talk about piracy. If, if you don't do it officially, you create unofficial routes to do it. And, and that's clearly not in anybody's interest. And I would imagine as well, it's not just about the team um, because people in unfamiliar markets will not necessarily have an allegiance to a geographical area. It's about this ability that we've spoken about a lot, but never really done anything about, but creating personalities and um, individuals that people, um, you know, take a liking to and then want to follow whoever they're playing for. We, we see it over here with what, you know, the, the NFL are doing. Um, basketball clearly have done it. Um, and does that help, do you reckon, in in now we, we've got to have a strategy to sell the stars that yeah. play the game? On the back Absolutely. Of and, and, and you want people to watch a game for whatever reason that they come in. And one of the hooks that brings them in is that identification with a star. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm sat here in California where the world has gone mad about Taylor Swift and the Kansas City Chiefs. And the viewership of the Kansas games is way more than any other match, even though, you know, the viewing figures are incredible for the NFL anyway. And it's Swifties wanting to watch that four seconds of her celebrating when, when Kelsey scores yet another touchdown. Um, and it's it's just proof that names and characters and individuals draw you in. And then you've got to have a product good enough to make them to want to stay. Much like Luke Liffler in the darts, although on a, on a bit of a smaller scale than, than Taylor Swift. But I guess it, it's finding those those stories and, and enhancing them and, and all working together to do that. Yeah, exactly. And be able to jump on it fast. You know, yeah. one of the things about social media content is it's got to be immediate you know and that's one of the reasons why we're trying to open up the rules a little bit you know it's not enough to put something out there 24 hours later you know the moment has gone you know you have to be able to react fast get authentic content out there get people engaged and reacting to it you know speed is also part of this um and again you know we've all sort of grown up with highlight shows that we we know and love but, you know, these days you've got every highlight, you know, almost instantly, you know, so waiting for a highlight show a couple of days later is not sort of normal behavior anymore. Um, and while, you know, again, it's a useful window for the sport, it's so important to get the story out there fast in a way that captures the moment and lives lives on the back of that moment. You know, Littler and, and, and credit to Warrington Wolves for, you know, selling Wolfie down and getting Littler sort of to hug him on the way up. You know, that was brilliant. That was responding to a story, getting something out there fast. And even though people were claiming him as a Man United fan or whatever, it was Warrington that took that first initiative and and credit to them. So how do we, I don't know, almost retrain ourselves to to think in terms of creating things? This is from all aspects of the sport, in terms of creating those moments for 
someone randomly sat in California who doesn't know anything about rugby league. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, IMG, to be fair to them, again, are, are doing the rounds of the clubs. They're trying to bring in best practices with the digital guys at the clubs who are often, often under-resourced um, and try and give them assets. That's definitely part of the story because one of the key things here is getting to the players. You know, our best ambassadors are the players. You know, if you look at any sport around the world, more people want to follow the players than the team. You know, you want an authentic story being told from someone who's been in the thick of it. Um, and, and even if they don't say very much, it, it seems to be content that really works. Um, and if we can help the players sort of build their social media profile, um, that's going to help the story of the sport. I know that sort of slightly sort of uh, gets under the heckles of people because people are like, oh, they, you know, they should be concentrating on playing and not posting all this stuff on social media. But they're our ambassadors. You know, they're the people that people want to know about. And therefore, you, you got to fuel them and advise them as to the best way to run an account and and maybe create a secondary line of income for them as well. I as a long-time watcher of the sport, you mentioned products and, you know, whether we like it or not, that's what we are. We're part of the entertainment business. What shape do you think we're in at the moment? Because we get hung up about, you know, lack of geographical reach and all that kind of thing. And how do we get to new markets and our, our ageing supporter base? Uh, you know, you, you move among people who perhaps rugby league isn't their first sport. Um, if you show them it, do, do you think that we're in good shape? I mean, I do think the sport is still an amazing sport to watch, you know, and, and that's sort of what, what keeps me in there. And it's not just historical loyalties. It's great entertainment content, right? So, you know, I, I do think we can be proud of the sport and we should be proud of the sport. Um that doesn't necessarily mean that structurally everything's in place as we want it to be. Um, again, you know, the grading system, I, I have questions, but as everyone does, but fundamentally that idea that we're trying to make space, that we're trying to get clubs to take digital seriously, you know, all those steps are really important in terms of making the product better um, and making the experience of being a rugby league fan better. And going back to Super League Plus, and I, I apologise if you've already answered this question because it's raining here, so the connection dropped out. Um, there was a lot of talk when the press release came out that it was in competition with Sky and people were struggling to understand um, how it would best work. Um, clearly, it isn't. It's an alternative, A, if you don't have Sky, and B, if you live outside of a territory where there's going to be television rights. And actually, that's, that's something we should all be celebrating. I think it, it's a really important step forward in terms of being able to talk directly to fans. right? And it's so important in this day and age to build up your database of fans and understand them, understand what they care about um, and and try and you know address their concerns and trying to create a two-way sort of um type of communication so the live games is only sort of part of the process in my mind you know you also want to build fantasy in there you want to try and build um anything that triggers people to care more but also anything that allows you to understand more you know what we should be doing um and that's why having that sort of direct to consumer approach is important um I think you know, a lot of people when the Sky deal came out sort of were immediately like, oh, well, this isn't a step forward. Every game being produced by Sky is a huge step forward. And being able to carve out these sort of deals for free-to-air TV, for streaming, you know, those matter. And it's not going to deliver money on day one, but it allows us to help build the sport in a longer-term basis. 
and you know that's perhaps what we needed to do right is is not just think about okay what do we do on tuesday you know how, how are we trying to build the sport over five years and ten years and the answer is a better communication with the fans create more fans make them care more understand what they want and deliver that to them you know and that's sort of the the long-term thinking so you know again it sounds a bit optimistic but i think these are important stepping stones to try and get that in place the sports tv market changing all the time and and if we look in the last decade or so the women's super league in football has become such a, a bigger thing because of its tv profile in the uk at least how important are the other elements in of rugby league to to future deals? The fact that we have got the women's super league, the wheelchair super league, all under one one banner now, yeah. and there's PDRL, LDRL, all these other things we've got going as well. How important are they for the health of rugby league going forward? I look as as Phil knows, I sort of left these shores sort of basically in '94 and and sort of been away for a long time. If you think where we were with with women's sport, with wheelchair sport, you know we were nowhere at that point. Um, so to see the progress and the energy that's come behind that is massive. And I think, again, we talk about what can rugby league be proud of. It can be proud of the way it's generally created communities that are inclusive around the sport. Um, it's something that marks us out. And we need something that marks us out in a good way. And, and this, you know, is clearly part of it. What I'd love to see, you know, is is more of the, the streaming solution, more of the social media content reflect women's and disabled sport as well. Um, because, you know, we are one story. And, um, you know, that that I think is sort of one of our, our key goals going forward is developing the whole story for the whole community. You know, we always talk about being a, a community game. And bizarrely, that's the direction that sport is moving in, you know, in that, um, as it becomes less about one pay TV number, it becomes more about how do you monetize community and then re reinvest that to grow the sport. And ironically, rugby league is is in a great place for that because we have more of that sense of community that I think most sports do. You're in America, so you're perfectly placed to answer this question because it's one thing that keeps being brought up time and time again. How do we crack America? Is it possible for any sport outside of the NFL, NBA, baseball, NHL, Major League Soccer, to make any kind of impact in the States in this current world? That's a great question, Richard. I mean, I think, you know, first of all, there's definitely a negative to being in the USA and that I'm further away from the game and the characters and I don't get to see the people on a regular basis. Um, I think one of the jobs that I do, um, in addition to the Rugby League, is I'm chairing the Cricket World Cup out here in uh, June where we're doing an India-Pakistan game in New York, building a temporary stadium for 34,000 people in New York. Um, you know, that that's a challenge, but it's an imaginative move by cricket to try and claim some of the space and build on an existing small audience and try and turn it into a slightly bigger audience. You know, again, the NRL have made a similarly imaginative move by taking the games to Vegas, which is A, great, because it means that I can actually go to a game. Um, but again, you know, it's something that will get attention beyond the rugby league world and people will sit up and, and maybe they'll start to understand that rugby league and rugby union are different as a first starting point. Um, so, you know, I, I, I like the imagination. Um, going back to try and answer your question, I think it's really tough, right? You know, you're, you're, you're against, you know, generations and generations of history. Um, 
So always difficult to capture a new market. Doesn't mean you shouldn't try though, um, particularly if those risks are not huge financial risks. You know, I, I love the the fact that the um, Magic Weekend went to Newcastle on a regular basis. You know, I think that's you know sensible. You've got some sort of amateur base. You've now got Newcastle Thunder. You've got that idea that you've got something there that you're building on, um, and and I think that's. Um, an important part of this you know you what one of the things that the NRL are doing very well um, about the Vegas weekend is they've got lots of American rugby league teams playing there at all different standards bringing the community in and it also shines a bit of a spotlight on what's happening at ground level as well I, I think it's we think Vegas is really interesting and, and offers possibilities for league in particular that it, it hasn't had in other spheres is is global sport now the idea that you take the elite to a new market and it's not as significant or important that you have a domestic competition in that market? So you mentioned, you know, the cricket nations, the, the NFL are, are bringing matches to London on a regular basis and now Germany, they're going to Brazil. We're taking the elite of the NRL uh, into Vegas for at least five years, all being well. Is it more about sporting entertainment and occasion than necessarily having a domestic competition to crack the market? Um, I think occasions are always important. You know, and again, I remember when we started with Rugby League on Sky, one of the things that we talked about then um, was about that need for more peaks of emotion over the season and occasions. And that's one of the reasons that Magic Weekend came out, for example. Um, but at the same time, I think it's important for the credibility of the sport that you don't go and do it in the middle of nowhere with no crowd um, because it can come back and bite for it, bite you. You know, you look at an occasion that clearly is working and the World Club Challenge with Penrith is clearly a brilliant story for the sport, you know, selling out weeks and weeks in advance. It's going to be a fantastic occasion. It's credible. You know, that for me is, is a brilliant way of telling the sport story that will actually hit a wider audience, even though it's based in the heartlands. Um, so I'm I'm very wary of, of, you know, making the big gesture if there's not really something underneath it that will support it as a long-term development. I mean, Phil, we, we, you know, you, you know that I spent my time on buses with teams going to Bridgend and to Maidstone and, and Kent and Victor, as they got called. Um, you know, that those things didn't really help us, right? Because if, if things come up and die and there's no legacy... It, it's a wasted effort. You know, you've got to make sure there's a legacy as well. And, and I think that comes back to the point, it's got to be elite as well, because there's nothing wrong being on a bus to Nottingham, but you weren't seeing top-level rugby league, which made it really hard to to sell that yeah. to an audience. And if you look at sports like basketball, which I know you you know you followed the, their development, which it, which was a one-country sport when it first really started, handball in, in Europe, can rugby league aspire to being that, do you think? I think it can aspire to to growing. You know, again, I, I don't want to sort of set some sort of moonshot goal that we'll, we'll never get to. You know, I think it's important that we look at key areas and invest in those areas and make them successful. And then we move on to the next. Um, you know, so I, I love what's happening with the European Rugby League world. You know, you can clearly see markets that are developing. Um and players that, you know, can come out of those markets. So, you know, that gives you some hope as to where we should be going. I think the strength of the sport in France is, is something that, 
you know, we should all be looking at. Well, we've got some good stories there now. And the fact that finally we're getting TV coverage in France. And again, um, IMG get a lot of flack, credit to them for getting a French TV deal done. You know, I think that's something that we can also build on as well. Yeah, IMG have now almost taken over from Sky as the uh, the bogeyman of rugby league. And it was Sky I was going to ask you about just for my final one, because I know Phil will have something else. But being there in the early days of Sky Sports and BSB, did you ever imagine it becoming the all-powerful juggernaut it is today? Um, it, we definitely didn't feel like that in the early days, particularly when we were at BSB and, you know, Eddie and Steve-O and Neville Smith were were there from, from BSB. And, you know, I, I had a conversation with Neville in the canteen where suddenly we discovered there was another rugby league fan in the building. Um, and that sort of changed changed a lot of things because it, it meant that suddenly I got sucked into what he was planning. And it was a brilliant time. And then we all got fired when BSB closed down. And thankfully, we all got picked up again by Sky, at least. <laughs> The, the rugby league group of us did um but it was certainly felt pretty hand to mouth and we worked out of a uh a sort of container terminal type building in Osterley, um which was definitely not glamorous and definitely a massive world away from what sky are now um and and it felt like a, a gamble but something worth trying you know I, i've always said that my biggest career gamble was moving from working from look north in leeds and going down and working for this new organization called bsb showing live rugby league to an audience that was mainly my dad um and and that that was a gamble but you know credit to sky they stuck at it they worked it you know how good they've been for the game in terms of if you think about where we were 30 odd years ago in terms of tv coverage and where we are now um but that doesn't mean that we're wedded with sky forever right it's an important partner but we have to do whatever's right for the league as it grows um and, you know, if we can work with them, then brilliant. But we also have to be um, in charge of our own fate a little bit. I think you gave us a little exclusive there on a French TV deal. I'm not sure that's been announced yet. So thank you for that. Um, free to air over here. There's talk again of um, the sport moving from Channel 4 to the BBC. Um, how important to have a national broadcaster having that level of coverage? You mentioned magazine programmes. You'd obviously... I think need to look at maybe the Super League show and how that would act as a, a bridge. But you've got a, a narrative there, haven't you, from World Club Challenge through some championship games, through into some um, Challenge Cup ties and into the international matches at the end of the season. That's how you build an audience, isn't it? I mean, it's certainly an important part of it, you know, and, and the fact that um, Rodri and the team at the Rugby League have built that free-to-air window, you know, great experiment with Channel 4 um, and you know, just created a different group of people promoting the sport as well. I think, you know, that that's important. Um, you know, getting clips out there on on websites, making it ally to the the whole offering of a broadcaster, not just the live game. I think those are really important steps. Um, and again, you look at trends around the world, free-to-air broadcast of sport are getting bigger and bigger audiences. Um, even in a, in a world where entertainment channel and linear tv is struggling the sport element is dominant you know nfl here in the in the us is is basically with one exception all on free-to-air tv and you had 90 of the top 100 programs in america last year were nfl um you know so free-to-air still has an incredible power behind it and, and we also we always need to think about how do you bring that funnel of new audience in you know, and, and having it widely available, not behind a pay window, 
um, is an important part of that. You know, having the geographic reach is an important part of that. So um, delighted that that's still part of the story um, and a long may it continue. And last time you were over here, you gave a, a speech about how the broadcasting um, landscape was going to change. Um, and clearly, you know, just to end with Super League Plus, as we sort of began with it, is, is this Rugby League's first step into whatever that change in landscape may be? You mentioned, you know, we shouldn't wean ourselves solely to a, a broadcaster, however good they've been for us over 30 years. Does, does this make us self-sufficient if we need to be? Um, I think it's a long jump to be self-sufficient. You know, the, the economy of what Sky offer compared to what we can raise ourselves is a huge difference. But it's really important to think about how do people want to consume content? And, and Sky may well solve those problems. You know, they're building their own OTT solutions as well. Um, but the the optionality of OTT, the idea that you can go into a game, choose your own graphics, you can be in a chat group with your friends, you can build the betting stats in and have them on the screen or off the screen. You make that decision. You know, those technical um, abilities a really important way of telling the game's story better. Um, and I think you have to try stuff. You have to test and learn. You look at what data works and what data doesn't work. Um, and this is a chance to learn. And um, it may not be the solution, right? You know, it might not be the economic magic wand, but at least it will tell us more about our audience and what they want to receive. Excellent. That's brilliant. Uh, Peter, thank you very much for your time. Uh, much appreciated. Is, is it sunny in California? That's the, the main thing, obviously, I mean, to be fair, it's seven thirty in the morning, so it's not very sunny. But um, but by and large, I have to say that the weather is slightly better than Leeds. Yeah. Podcast Network.